Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. But as we look at Christmas, there's always those relationships, it's tense. You're always, anybody ever concerned they bought the right gift? There's a lot of men's hands up, that's great. Um, but it's interesting, right? You're like, did we buy the right one? Are they going to like it? Are they not going to like it? And what I love in this video is a father who just wants to connect with his kids, and he says, I'm not bringing any presents. I'm not bringing any gifts. Just me. Just me. Now, how many of you would love to know that on Christmas morning, teenagers, Christmas morning, you wake up, you go downstairs, and there's no presents under the tree, but your parents are there. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Right? Like, this moment of Christmas, this moment of families coming together and being reconciled together and and being a part of God's family. It's interesting, in 1985, Christina Rosidi, Rosidi, that lady, wrote the hymn, Love Came Down at Christmas. It says this, this is one of the verses. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely. Love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign. Do you realize that as we read the Bible, the Bible tells us that God is love. So what that makes me realize is I can't truly love people unless I have more of Jesus in my life. The more I want to love people, the more Jesus I need to have. If the Bible tells me that every good thing in my life comes from the Lord, that means every person in my life that is good comes from the Lord. Bump your spouse and say, you came from Jesus. Men, do it first. Men, do it first. This is the moment where we realize every good thing in our lives has come from God. So you can, here's the interesting thing with it. You can work as hard as you want. You can buy all the stuff you want, but all the good things in your life came from God. Even your job. If you like your job, it came from God. Well, Chad, I have this education. No, no, it came from God. God placed you there. God designed it. He has designed our lives to be exactly where we're supposed to be. See, love came down at Christmas. We couldn't have love if Christ didn't come. He came so far ahead of time to make sure that we could be right with him. This is the life that we have with Jesus Christ. He set himself apart, and he came for us. I think it's interesting that when we think of Christmas, when we think of family getting together, I don't know about you, it could be just me, and I'm okay with that. If if I'm the only one in the room where when you get together with family, there's that little bit of strain, there's that little bit of tightness of like, oh man, is this going to be all right? I know our family, one of the things we did a little while ago, and this actually kind of helped a little bit, is we celebrate Christmas at a hotel. And I know that might not sound too fun, but we book rooms right along where there's a pool, and so we all kind of hang out there. And the nice thing about it is I don't have to worry if my kids are wrecking your house. And you don't have to worry about my kids wrecking your house. And so the nice thing is, as parents, you kind of sit around the pool and all the kids just like, swim and go crazy, and by evening time, they're just like 
passed out in their beds. So it's actually a great idea. But because we do that, we don't really do gifts as a big family. And so it's interesting when we come together, though, with relationships and emotions and everything like that, unless every one of you in this room is totally different than the last service, there is a little bit of that of like, is everything going to go smoothly? And this is the challenge at Christmas. But the interesting thing is this. Right at the beginning, there was a gift of love. A gift of love was sent to us. And it's the beautiful part of Christmas. It was the beginning part of love, how God sent his son, sent his son to restore a relationship that was broken. Realize, he sent his son to restore a relationship that was broken between him and us, and we weren't even around. This is how much he loves you. This is how much he cares about you, that he sent his son years ago just because he wanted a relationship with you. I don't know about you, and I've been talking about this all fall, and I'm okay with that. This still amazes me. This amazes me that the God of the universe sent his only son to die for me. He wanted to have a friendship with me so much so that he sent his son to die. Now, see, that would be okay. Some of us might think, oh, that's, that's, all, that's all right if you didn't know who I really was. See, I know who I am. I know what I think about. I know what I do. And my God sent his son and sacrificed him for me. I don't know about you. It blows my mind. That itself, as we talk about Christmas and the joy of Christmas, I'm still amazed that when I talk about Jesus coming to die, God sending his son to restore us to a relationship with him, this is how much he loves us. I'm still amazed how people don't light up with joy. But here's why I think some of us don't light up with joy when I talk about it. Because I think we think about what we did yesterday. Or maybe we think about what we did 20 minutes ago or the thought we had 20 minutes ago, and we think, okay, I get it, Chad, but you just don't know who I am, and I just don't know if I'm worthy of God loving me, and I just don't know if he would actually do that for me, maybe for you, but not for me, and what you have to understand is he did it for all of us, and here's the crazy thing. He did it when he knew exactly what I was going to do. He knew all of this ahead of time, and here's the really cool thing. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love because he first loves us. He loved us first. The interesting thing is you don't love Jesus because you're awesome. Sorry if that was a shock. You love Jesus because he first loved you. See, this is the fun part. We got married couples in the room, and I got to be careful because Melissa's in the room on this one. She wasn't here the first service, so I can say whatever I wanted. Um, but on the, the question is this. With all the couples, this is always the fun question to ask people. Who pursued who first? And the interesting thing is this. A lot of times, if you get the couple separated, or if you get them together, it's even more entertaining. But you figure out, they'll both say they did. I'll tell you exactly what I told the first service. Melissa pursued me. See, she's pointing the other way. And I'm like, no, 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 not true. You know what I love about the second service? You guys didn't laugh. 
First service, lost it. I was like, why are you laughing? It's the truth. But the fun part is when you ask each couple, see, she's sitting at the back going, no, no, you pursued me. And this is the way it goes in most couples. But the interesting thing is this. You can't argue with God. He pursued you. He still pursues you. He still pursues me. He pursues you so much that he laid his son down. So you can debate with your spouse, and you'll probably do it on the way home. Oh, remember when you pursued me? You pursued me. Come on. Right? Like, it's going to go back and forth. But you cannot argue in your relationship with God. You can't. And see, here's the neat thing. I could buy Melissa any present. I'm not going to, sweet, just so you're aware. But, like, if I could, I would. Like, it's like, if I had a million dollars, I'd buy you a K car, a nice, reliable automobile. (laughs) Um, any music fans will know exactly what I'm talking about. Any other ones, maybe I'll, I'll repent later. Um, but I can't buy her a gift that Jesus gave. I can't. I can't buy anybody the gift of salvation. I can't buy you eternity. But you want to know the coolest thing? You can't buy it either, but God gives it to you. You literally just have to choose to take it. Now, go back to the teenagers. But every parent in the room, you're on the same page as I don't care how old you are. And so you can lie to yourselves, but it's the house of God. Christmas morning, you come downstairs, there's presents under the tree, your name's on it. Does it take you a long time to grab them? I know, the teenagers are like, nope, nope. I sorted them on Christmas Eve. I know where mine is. Right? Like this is and even as parents, come on. You come downstairs, and you see a name on the present, and it's your name on it. It doesn't take you long. I know you're like, oh, let the kids go first, but I'm the first adult. <laughs> like, this is the way we are. This is the gift that Jesus is giving to us. And yet, do you know? Do you know there's people in this world, there may be people in this room, that don't want to take it and open it. I think sometimes they feel like it's a gift from grandma. You're not sure what's in it, but you're pretty sure you might not like it. And uh, Socks aren't a bad thing. Watch when you get older. Um, I bet every man in the room has holes in their socks right now just waiting for next Monday or next Tuesday. Um, and so they're not sure, what is this gift from God? How is it going to affect my life? How is it going to change my life? But what we don't understand is... When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, understand me, and I'll explain this real fast, you don't have to give anything up. I know I got quiet there for all the theologians in the room. But what happens is this. The closer you get to God, the more you fall in love with God, things fall away because they're not as important. See, too often we look at this as a rule book and we forget the privilege it is to have a relationship with the living God. And he's come to restore that relationship. But so many of us are like, wow, and our, our non-Christian neighbors, and maybe some of us, we're still hanging on to stuff, and we just think, oh, I just don't know if I want to give it up. But the closer we get, it seems so unimportant. And many of you in this room, as couples, as married couples, you know, the longer you're together, the closer you get as a couple, there's things that you might not do before, that you used to do that used to be a hobby, and people are like, oh, why don't you do that anymore? And you're actually like, oh, I don't even really know. But it's not that marriage took it over. It's not like kids came along. 
It's literally when you have that time together, you choose togetherness more than a hobby. And this is what it is with God. The more you fall in love with him, the closer you get to him. It's not that you have to give stuff up. It's just not important. And if it's going to prevent me from getting closer to him, I don't want it. Because what I want is closeness with my heavenly father. And this is what God has come for. He's come to restore that, to pull people together and to love on us. 1 John, 4, 7, uh, 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 12 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who has, everyone, I'm having a hard time here, hold on. Everyone who loves has been fathered by God and knows God. The person who does not love does not know God because God is love. By this, the love of God is revealed in us, that God has sent his one and only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God, is, God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God resides in us and his love is perfected in us. A perfect love is a love that is in a right relationship with others, especially in the right relationship with our family, because God himself makes himself known as our heavenly father, and that perfect love certainly means we find ourselves in a growing and right relationship with him, our father in heaven, and through that, we grow in other relationships. Here's the thing when it comes to relationships. Relationships can be tough. Relationships can be challenging. But here is the neat thing, and the father in the video said it. He said he believes in this, and so does our Heavenly Father. He believes in new beginnings. How many of you in the room are thankful that God believes in new beginnings? Right? There are moments in my life, and when I say moments, I'm going to say daily, where I appreciate the fact that God believes in new beginnings. Do you understand that when I wake up every morning, I am thrilled that it's a new beginning? Because there's prayers where the only time that I can really pray, God, I'm so thankful I haven't sinned today, is like before I get my feet onto the floor in the morning. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit, guide me and lead me and thank you so much for a new beginning today, a new start today, a new launch today. And I'm able to begin new. Every day, it's like Groundhog Day, but I don't do the same things over and over again. But in the morning, it's brand new. It's brand new. I guess that's actually a bad reference because... Groundhog Day, it wasn't brand new. It was the same day over and over again. I used the same illustration in the first service. Didn't catch it till now. Yeah, that doesn't really work, does it? This is what happens in my head as I'm going. Sorry, bad illustration. It's not like Groundhog's Day. It's like a brand new day every day. Wow, I got to apologize to the first service. Um, so as we move and as we launch into a new relationship with God, everything gets to be new. The exciting thing is this Christmas, as you enter in to see your family, as you begin to visit with them, it can be new. It doesn't have to be like the old. It can be brand new. God loves new things. Isaiah 43 verse, 19, or 43 verse 19 says, look, I'm about to do something new. Now it begins to happen. Do you not recognize it? Yes, I will make a road in the desert and pass in the wilderness. He's doing something new, something brand new. And it doesn't matter if you feel like you're in a desert, it's dry, it's lonely. If you're in the wilderness where it seems like you don't see anything, you're consumed by stuff, God is making a path. He's making a road for you. 
Before the first service this morning, I was talking to a friend in the hallway, and we were just talking about Christmas carols. And we were talking about how him and I both, as much as we love new music and new things, there's something about when it comes to Christmas carols, I'm fairly traditional. And I just like the old carols. And we're trying to, and we actually joke with each other, like, why do you think we like the old instead of the new? And we just kind of remember, like, it goes back to uh, moments and memories and, and emotions. But then we started challenging each other, like, okay, that's good, but why don't we like the new? And then as you read through the Bible, God's always talking about doing new things. But yet as Christians, as believers, we like to hold on to the old. And I understand that because of the emotions and the feelings and all those connections. But God talks regularly about, I'm doing a new thing. I like how this says it. I'm doing a new thing. Now it begins to happen. It's beginning to happen. Do you not recognize it? I don't ever want to get caught not recognizing what God's doing. Do you realize God talks in the Bible? He says, will you be a new wineskin? Or will you be an old wineskin? A new wineskin can receive what the newness of God's doing. And it's just challenged me, even as we're just talking this morning in the hallway about Christmas carols. Like, really, I don't think God really cares. Which Christmas carol you listen to? Most of them are so untheologically correct, it's funny. And, <laughs> uh, but, like, if you ever, anybody ever take a Christmas story test and it rhymes off, like, what happened here? And it gives you, like, A, Bs, and Cs, it's multiple choice. And it talks, like, there's one that's biblical, the rest are like Christmas carols, and you're surprised how many of us get it wrong, because our theology on Christmas is actually by carols. I've done it with the youth before. It was hilarious. Um, but it would be interesting to do with adults sometime. Just throwing that out there, totally sidetracked squirrel. Here we go. Um, but it's interesting that when we talk about new things, it's really hard for us. But what about this Christmas? If you think about this Christmas, it's totally new, brand new. What if you, today, right now, from here on out, it's a brand new day, everything's new, nothing has to be brought along with you from yesterday or today. Brand new, brand new. See, the interesting thing is this, in the story it talked about it, and many of us, this is who we are, this is where we've been. The, uh, in the story, he's talking about his kids wanting their own ways and allowing them to have their own things. And so in the Bible, we reference immediately the prodigal son. He wanted his own things. He wanted to do his own things. And so the father gave it to him. See, here's the interesting thing in our lives. Many times we have bad situations happen in our lives and it has nothing to do with us. No choices. We didn't make any choices. It just happened. And then how many of you in the room have you ever asked God for direction? He's given you direction, but then you ask again because you didn't like the first direction. Just me. Okay, a couple of honest people in the room. Good, good. But here's what happens, right? Think about it. The only reason... Saul became king is because the Israelites kept pressing God. They first asked for a king. He said, you don't need a king. You have me. And they kept pressing and pressing and pressing. Finally, he's like, okay, here's Saul. Right? How many of you have ever asked God, God, is it okay if I buy this? And you hear right away, no. Like, oh, I could get some advice on this. <laughs> right? And then you kind of come walking around and you're like, I got to call somebody. Who do I know? Who's a... I like techie stuff. And so you find a friend who's techie and you call them and you're like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Is this a good product? Oh, it's a great product. Yeah, you read some reviews on Amazon with them and get the specs that you don't understand. And you're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. I have no idea what he's talking about. It sounds great. So then you hang up the phone and you're like, okay, I'm going to pray again now that I have more understanding and knowledge. God, should I buy this? No. I'm going to call another friend. 
We call another person, you get more advice, you get more reviews, and then finally you call, you, I was going to say you call God. You pray again, and all of a sudden you feel this like, yeah, I think I'm going to buy it. And so you buy it. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, let's say, not speaking this over anybody, let's say your car breaks down. And now you're like, God, why am I in this, this situation? I'm financially tight, and I can't pay to fix my car. If I would have known my car was going to break, I wouldn't have bought this. And God goes, I know. Anybody been there? Just me? I'm good with that. Okay, a few people. Good. Can everybody else with your hands down, can you just pray for us later? <laughs> but we've all done it. We've all wanted something bad enough that we just keep going back to God. Here is the cool thing with God. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. Do you realize the prodigal son, he is sitting in a pig pen. Like how rock bottom is this? All right? You're sitting in a pig pen. I don't know why I'm doing this in the Christmas series because it's a stable and everything, but there's poop there. All right? You're sitting in it. And you're looking at what the pigs are eating going, oh, man, if I could just eat some of that. And you're actually not looking at the pig. You're looking at what he's eating. And you're like, how low have I gotten that right now a good meal to me is what the pigs are eating? And some of you in this room, maybe that's where you're at. And the Heavenly Father just goes, I'm right here. And he clues in and he goes, even if I was a servant in my father's house, I would eat better than this. I'm going to go back. I love the story because the story tells us it wasn't like the father was working out in the field and all of a sudden he's like, oh, who's that stranger coming? It tells us that the father was waiting on the porch. And when he sees his son coming, understand it's been a long time. And his son is coming from the pig pen. And the father still recognizes him. And what does the father do? He just gets a cup of coffee, sits back, and he waits for the son to come. No. It says he runs to him. Runs. Runs up to him. And before the son can say, oh, just let me be a servant, big hug around him. Realize, this father has a lot. He's a wealthy man. He's got nice clothes on. He runs up to his son who's covered in it. And a big hug gets him a robe, puts the ring back on his finger, and says, this is my son. So this is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't care in this room right now, whether you're in the penthouse or the pig house, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just wants a relationship. And he will welcome you with open arms. We just have to come to him. We have to draw close to him. So the question that God asked this morning is, and it's Christmas time, Will you be home at Christmas? Ben Cosby sings, I'll be home for Christmas. Will you be home? Will you come home and be in a relationship with Jesus? Will you make sure that Jesus is your reason for the season? And don't get me wrong, I'm quoting all these cheesy little lines, but the thing is, do you understand in your house as Christians, do the gifts, love on one another, have fun, eat turkey, eat dressing, eat pumpkin pie, and distracting everybody. <laughs> but don't forget that the reason that we are doing this is because Jesus came, not just to be born in a stable, but to die on a cross. 
So literally, without that, we wouldn't be able to come home for Christmas. It's us coming back into a right relationship with him. And this is the hard part about Christmas. Because we all have relationships that need to be repaired. Every one of us. There's relationships in our lives that just aren't 100%. And this Christmas, God wants to restore relationships. Not just with himself, but with family and with friends. He wants to bring people together. But here's the interesting thing. We did a series a few couple of years ago called Love and Respect. We did a weekend of it. And as they talked through the whole weekend, helping married couples come together, they said this at the very end because they always get asked this question. Okay, so we know what we're supposed to do, but who goes first? And their response, which I think is beautiful, they say, the mature one. So how many in the room right now wants to raise your hand and say, I'm the immature one? <laughs> couple guys, yes, me. But realistically, none of us are. None of us want to do that. So who goes first in restoring your relationships? You do. I do. We go first. But Chad, you don't know what happened. I can honestly tell you, you don't know what happened with mine either. But we go first. Because Jesus went first with us, and his love in us means our love is supposed to come out of us. And so it's our responsibility. But Chad, you don't know what they did. I agree. But you don't know what's going on in my life either. But as I prepared for this, as I, as I studied this, as we got ready for it, this is the one sermon I didn't want to preach. Because there's stuff happening in my life, but I'm realizing as I go through this this week, I go first. I go first. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't like to hear that, Chad, neither do I. Completely honest, I don't either. But God's telling me I need to go first. And so this morning, you need to go first. We need to restore the relationship. Here's the interesting thing. Just like our relationship with God, nothing is beyond repair. No relationship is beyond fixing. And not even ours with our God. That's how much he loves us. The father in the video, he says, I love you no matter what. And Paul writes this in Romans 8. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, man, oh man, who can be against us? I don't know. I think, I'm going to say that again. I think there's somebody, a few people in this room, including myself. If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, who will he not, will, sorry, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who will, who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, and who also is interceding for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we have complete 
victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor the heavenly rulers nor the things that are present nor the things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is in heaven, and the amazing thing is, is he sees the gap between us and him, and he has come to close that gap. God has come to meet us. Wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever the past, whatever the present, and no matter how broken or separated we might feel from God, he has come to restore that with us this Christmas. And so the question arises at Christmas, love comes down at Christmas. Will you extend that love to others? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Lord, it blows my mind, the fact that you want to have a relationship with me and that you love me. And so, Father, through your love in my life, help me to love others. Help me to extend that mercy and grace to others. And so, Father God, I just pray right now that you help us to be a light for you, to use us for your glory this Christmas season. Lord, help us to be the mature one, to go first. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.